Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Eric Galco does a great job with Optimum Scouting, Director of Football Ops, Player Personnel, as well as for the Shrine Bowl. Does a great job doing all those things as well. And Eric, appreciate you joining us this afternoon, man. How you doing? I'm doing great. I'm here live in Las Vegas, and things are uh, bubbling up here for the day. Yeah, okay, well, let's just start right there. What's the vibe like? Because we know that, you know, it's it's not always been a moving deal. You know, it was always in New York City and everything. Now that it's in Vegas, what's the vibes like right now leading into the first round? I think, I think the NFL and a lot of people involved are going to regret moving it to Kansas City or Detroit, wherever else. This is a heck of an extravaganza here in Las Vegas, and I think it's going to be an unbelievable experience for players and families as well as people watching on, on TV. So I think the broadcast is going to be very cool tonight. So what does it look like as far as in front of the fountains at the Bellagio? It's kind of built oh around God. that. It's so cool. It's, it's incredible to look at. You, you feel like you're on a movie set, and they've got four or five locations. they got the, the red carpet on the Bellagio fountains. So it's about as cool as it is. I think it's one of the biggest events, sporting-based events, uh, in terms of traffic coming in and Vegas history. So it's, it's going to be, I think, the best draft since you know, Radio City Music Hall Prime. It's going to be that kind of event today. So just kind of looking at some of the players, especially the ones that have been in the mix for being possibly the number one overall taken, or at least they're in the mix there as well. Uh, what do you make of the just the talent pool of this year's draft? Because we know there's been a lot of times where quarterbacks were hot and heavy. There's been times where offensive linemen were hot and heavy. It seems like this year's defensive linemen. But what do you just make of uh, some of the top-tier talent that's in this year's draft? Yeah, I can speak for us internally, and we do some work with, with NFL clubs and, and certainly teams with NFL sports. This is really the first year in a while that there's not really many top 10 worthy type talents in this draft class. I think that's kind of underappreciated story for this draft class, but really anybody they take this year, outside of one or two guys to some team score, that's why you'll see guys like Derek Stingley, who may be underrated a little bit, but will go early in the draft. Not many elite talents. I think we'll see the top two edge rushers, Trevon Walker and Aiden Hutchinson, go one, two, but in this draft, you, you want to find a guy who's going to be a base hit. You don't go for the home run this year's draft class. There's not a lot of home run threats to be had. What goes into the mock draft that you do? Because kind of something unique and uh, and really like what you do. You say my one and only mock draft. So there are people that have multiples out there, but you do one and only, and you do it the day of. Yeah, it's it's you know I, I this year with my new role and doing more work outside media. I, I was almost not going to do a mock draft this year, but I said whatever, we'll do one this year. I've, I've heard too much information too, but it's it's been a tough year and. And things haven't changed as much for NFL teams and their internal projections as maybe the media has, but it's still going to be one of the most unpredictable top four or five picks I can remember because there are no quarterbacks. There's no Trevor Lawrence for sure going first overall. There's no teams trading up pre-draft for a quarterback. So really by about pick two and especially pick three, there are teams picking at the back half of the top ten who have no idea who's going to be there. So it should be a lot of fun, and I'm sure it's fun for us, and it's going to be terrible and hectic and nerve-wracking for all those teams in the first round today. Speaking of those quarterbacks, you have Malik Willis as your number one quarterback on the board. So why, why do you think Malik Willis is the top talent at quarterback? You know, I said it's not a top-heavy class and not one of the better draft classes in history. I think Malik Willis is that special, though, and I'm floored as I talk with teams and get a sense of their draft rate, especially ones who definitely need quarterbacks, and, and they don't view Malik as a kind of a special player. I'm not sure if it's perception or just draft class in general, but I think he has a chance to be a really dynamic. I think he would have been the second or third quarterback pick in last year's loaded quarterback draft. Really special person, player, athlete, arm talent, tools to get better. So 
I, I think his score is probably pick 20. I don't think that's Pittsburgh Steelers. And I, I have a hunch there may be a wild card team that takes a quarterback that people aren't expecting right now or moves up to go get one. Now, Eric, you and your mock draft also have Traylon Burks going number 19 overall to the Saints, and that's a player that a lot of people here in Arkansas is really interested to see where he ends up. Uh, what do you think of that fit for him and him being with the Saints? Because we know you know, they don't have Drew Brees, they don't have Sean Payton. Things have changed there with the Saints, but how do you feel like Traylon Burks would fit in with them if they drafted him 19th overall? Yeah, I think when you, when you lose you know, an offensive coach like Sean Payton and you lose a quarterback like Drew Brees, you actually want to invest more in the offense, not less, to kind of make up for it. You know, the, the Saints, right now, the receiving core is Michael Thomas and a lot of good, you know, adequate starters. But you add Taylor Burke, that becomes a really good unit, right? When Marquez Callaway goes from your second receiver to your third receiver, it's a really good overall receiving class. And I think for Traylon, who maybe needs a little bit of time to get acclimated to the NFL, having a chance to learn from Michael Thomas as well as not be forced to be the number one guy like he may be in other locations. I think it's a great fit. I think most important for Traylon Burke, just what I've heard, and how early the other receivers might go. Once those top three or four guys are off the board in the top 15 or so picks, Traylon's the next one. It's good to be in my Kansas City, Green Bay, New Orleans may say put and take him. So I think a lot of teams in that 18, I think Traylon Burke goes between 18 and 22, 23. I'm not sure to which team, but I think that's the right area he goes because he's too talented and he's need receivers. Based on these mocks and uh, some of the theme of this year's draft, it seems to be like teams getting back to the basics and building their teams inside out, offensive line, defensive line. So in this first round, you think more offensive linemen or defensive linemen? I think it'll be more defensive linemen, but, but I would say just based off of draft trends, draft history, and it kind of makes a lot of sense. We'll see maybe some surprise picks at the back end of round one, the offensive linemen, guys like, Daniel Falele or Bernard Raymond, offensive tackles, maybe aren't the high upside guys, but might be NFL starters just because those teams at the back of the first round are playoff teams. And every playoff team every year always says when it comes to playoff time, wish we had one more tackle, wish we had one more guard. So I think we'll see some surprise offensive tackles later in round one. And it's got some depth there in the second part of the draft, but that's really, you hit it in the head there. It's, it's going to be a lot of, Pass rushers, defensive tackles, defensive ends, and offensive linemen, maybe about 15, 16, 17, maybe 20 players at those two positions, O-line and D-line, that go in the first round. Speaking with Eric Galco, the director of football operations for the Shrine Bowl, as well as of Optimum Scouting here on Out of Bounds. Eric, just uh, looking at all the players, though, and I'm sure this is something you get asked a lot, but is there a player that you feel like a lot of people are sleeping on, maybe a guy that's not getting talked about a whole lot that – you feel like could really be a, a valuable asset if somebody drafted him in the first round? Yeah, I think one guy that, that jumps out that not a lot of teams are – that a lot of teams like, and I think will go fairly early, but doesn't seem to get a lot of love on, on social media. Another lineman, Tyler Smith of Tulsa, um, incredible athlete and talent. And I think we, we know about the Charles Frost, Evan Neal, um, uh, Icky Akamu will be a you know, top three or four overall pick, and maybe Trevor Penning of Northern Iowa. Tyler Smith has a ton of potential, and I think there are a lot of teams in the 15, 16, 17 area, and even the 20s, who would love to get a franchise left tackle out at the top 10. He's a guy I was going to get to know, and then I'll say a guy that probably won't go tonight, but could go, will go tomorrow um, at tight end. The tight ends are going to fall a little bit in the draft class, and a guy, Jelani Woods out of Virginia, best tight end athlete ever based off his size measurables and athletic testing a guy who's really improved over his college career, and I think he has a good chance to be the first tight end taken. It may not happen tonight. Maybe 31 of the Bengals is an outside shot, but really tomorrow 
I think we'll see three or four tight ends go, and he has a chance to be one of the better ones in this draft class. So you mentioned tight ends specifically, but who are some of the better players that aren't projected to be in this first round that come to mind for you? Yeah, I think Jelani Woods is one of them. I mentioned him at tight end. Christian Watson, North Dakota State, he won't go tonight, but I think he'll be one of the early picks of round two. Christian Harris, linebacker from Alabama. You, you think just on paper, hey, a linebacker from Alabama in the second round must be a steal, and I think he will be. So I think a lot of the uh, the early part of day two guys will be linebackers and, and tight ends and receivers. Those three guys I like quite a bit. Is there a particular team that you think has the most important first round? Because we know there's a lot of teams that aren't even picking. There's a, eight teams that have multiple picks. But is there a particular team that you look at in the first round and say, this team has to get it right? I, I think I think for one, the Jets are very interesting because I think they are, I would say that I, I think if Debo Samuel is traded to the New York Jets, that I think they got to figure that out now because, you know, taking a receiver at 10 very much in play, but you take a receiver at 10, you probably can't trade that guy for Debo Samuel. The Jets are interesting. I think the Carolina Panthers have to do a good job today because they don't have a second or a third round pick and they don't have a quarterback they trust. And they also have a left tackle they trust either. Those are two big needs with only one pick in the top 120 picks overall. So they're going to look to trade back. And I don't think they got a quarterback in the first round, but if Carolina can move back once, maybe even twice, and still find the left tackle and get some day two picks for either a quarterback or trading for Jimmy Garoppolo, they can kind of salvage what is a, a really lackluster draft class just the four trades they've made. So I think if Carolina State put it six and takes a player, even a good one, it might be a tough draft for them. So I think if they can find the right value, the right team, and get two or three day two picks to make up for some four trades in the past, that'll be really, really important. Now, when you look at the back half of the draft where uh, the Packers and Chiefs they have multiple picks towards the end of the draft. And uh, there are a couple of teams that lost receivers, not only through yep. trade, but then through free agency. So they may have a, a need for a receiver, maybe at the back end of the draft, or, or they may go later in the draft because there is such a, a depth at receiver. Yeah, yeah, those two teams, and also the Dallas Cowboys, right? They traded Amari Cooper, and, and they have, you know, they signed uh, – Michael Gallup to a long extension, and C.D. Lance contract coming up in two years as well. Those three teams are three teams that have inquired about trading up substantially for a top receiver in this draft class, but I'm not sure they'll find a dance partner that early to get guys like Drake London or Jamison Williams or Garrett Wilson or Chris Olave. So those are three teams that I think could make that small trade up for a guy like Traylon Burke to be their top receiver taken. But you're absolutely right. Those three teams, the Cowboys, the Chiefs, the Packers, will definitely be adding receiver in the first three rounds. If I had to say right now, I'd say the Chiefs almost definitely do with one of their first-round picks that Green Bay would like to. But those are the three teams I'd watch out for for a trail in Burks trade-up because after Burks, it's a pretty big fall-off at receiver. Now, Eric, uh, we know that there's always going to be some drama. You mentioned even possibly Debo Samuel being traded to the Jets. As a Jets fan, I'd love that, but they usually screw it up, so I don't expect it to happen. <laughs> but uh, the thing is, though, is that do you see besides that any other – drama, trades for players, anything else that you could anticipate or see a team doing tonight in the first round? Yeah, uh, I think tonight I'm, I'm on a close alert on the quarterback watch because even though I, I kind of projected Malik Will to the 20th overall pick, I, I think we'll see at least one quarterback go before 20th overall. I, I just Malik Willis is here, Matt Corral is here, and I didn't project him to be a first-round pick. And usually guys at the draft go round one. Kenny Pickett has teams around the league, too. So I think we might see, a, if you see a trade in like the, the 12 to 17 area, we don't know who that team's taking. It might be for a surprise quarterback. So I'd watch out for that. And I think in day two is when 
a Debo Samuel trade may happen. James Bradbury on the Giants likely gets traded. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, maybe the Carolina Panthers, if they can get some day two assets as well. So I think we'll see on Friday a couple of trades that morning. But for today, I'm on strict quarterback watch. I, it, it, it'd be too easy to say the quarterbacks fall in the 20s and the 30 area. I think we'd see one of these teams get a little excited, get a little anxious, move up from Malik Wills or Kenny Pickett or somebody else. Sauce Gardner is the guy that is getting a lot of headlines as far as the top corner. But how would you compare him and Derek Stingley, a guy that we didn't see much of because he uh, he was out for much of the season? And we've seen this before with LSU players, Jamar Chase, for example, where he set out the entire season yep. and then there was no drop-off. Yeah, it makes you think of more guys who maybe, I wouldn't say get injured, but maybe not play their final year in college because it. Uh, it, it seems to be okay for those guys to work out in the NFL. And I think Derek Stingley is viewed that way. He is viewed as one of the highest, if not the highest, player uh, in this draft class. Most teams I've talked with, it's either Aiden Hutchinson, Trayvon Walker, Ikki Akamu, and Derek Stingley as the guys they think could be the real stars in this draft class. So I do think Derek Stingley has a good chance to be the first quarterback taken. And for Ahmad Gardner, he's the long, press coverage, man corner who can play some cover three. And he's been so productive and reliable at the college level that a lot of teams view him as a safe plug-and-play starter, but they do wonder, does he have elite cover corner upside to be worth the top four or five pick in any draft class? Whereas I think Derek Singh is a better fit for more zone teams, more hybrid teams like the Houston Texans or the Seattle Seahawks who want to run a bit more hybrid stuff than they have in the past. So I think it's really, a, a, if you want to right away, safe player, maybe a mod Gardner is that guy, the higher upside Derek Singh. But I think both guys will hear their name called in the top nine picks, maybe as early as the top four picks overall. Eric, I know that you do scouting and you're obviously very involved with the NFL draft. Is there anything in particular you think teams like overvalue, something that maybe they put too much stock in that is uh, something that uh, can really hurt a franchise or anything? Is, uh, just in your scouting thing, do you think that there's something out there that people really overvalue too much when it comes to drafting players? You know, I think a big part of, the, of where I think teams are going to start changing as, we get, as teams get more and more to trust strategic analytics, I call them, because I think more teams would like to trade back. You know, there's interesting stuff that's talking to some cap specialists in the NFL the last couple of weeks and that, hey, it, it, sometimes one of the hard parts about picking early is that if you don't like a guy that much, you got to pay him quite a bit of guaranteed money, and you'd rather almost move back just to save the money on the contract a little bit if you're not sacrificing talent too much. So I think teams right now are very stuck and very stubborn saying, I don't want to do a bad trade. I think it's Carolina in particular. I'm not sure what they're going to do. But, hey, even if you don't love the trade to move back, you can't afford to not have a day two pick. So I think we're seeing teams shift a little bit from using a trade value chart or anything like that and being very stubborn. I think teams are being more strategically smart, saying, you know what, we need to trade back based off our board. We'll take a, quote-unquote, less-than-market deal. So that's a big shift, I think, in draft tracks that's changed. I think also teams I think worry sometimes too much about age and and other position contracts, right? Just because receivers are getting a lot of money doesn't mean you should reach on a receiver and take one early. Take the best player you can and not worry about the money or age fees too much. So those are the two things that are shifting a little bit in some draft perspectives for NFL clubs. Who are some players that really helped their draft stock in the East-West Shrine Bowl? A couple guys. Uh, Jelani Woods, I mentioned him earlier, Virginia. I think he has grown throughout the draft process to go from a guy that teams were intrigued by to being maybe the first tight end taken. Uh, Kyle Phillips from UCLA had a great week of practice, and he's kind of become the, not to compare guys too much, but like Cooper Cup of this year's draft, that feels like Kyle Phillips of UCLA. He could be a second or third round pick. Uh, EJ Perry of Brown, we all know is 
not the strongest of quarterback classes, but he's a Ivy League former four-star recruit, strong arm, best quarterback athlete in this year's draft class. He has a chance to be around three or round four quarterback to develop. Guys that jump out that most NFL teams have called me about saying, how early is he going to go? Where can we get him? And how does it fit our speed? So those three among others, and we're hoping to have the Tribal to have you know, maybe half our roster um, draft in the first four or five rounds, and I think we're excited to see how draft plays out for all those great players. Out of curiosity, is there, do you ever think that there's stuff goes on when it comes to just like, well, this player played at this school, therefore he must be good? Like, obviously, when it comes to, you know, scouting players, there's a lot of instances that go into it, but if a player is from Bama or played under Nick Saban, does that, like, you know, up his stock a little bit just yeah. because he came from there? It happens, and I think it's, it's a matter of being safe, right? So there's perception, some of these perceptions or, or I hate to say stereotypes, some of these ideas that Bama players might be a little more banged up injury-wise. Say kids from, you know, LSU are, are really gifted athletes, let's say. So I, I think those things kind of come up a lot in draft rooms, but I think it's a way to have shorthand, right? I, I do forget sometimes there is so much information, background, athleticism, cognitive testing, uh, different game, like films you watch, and over years, and high school stuff. It's a lot of information to process as a decision maker. And sometimes you're right. Sometimes it's just easier saying a lot of LSU cornerbacks have been good. Not many Cincinnati cornerbacks have. Let's just take Singley. And that's not the end all be all as rationale. But I think a lot of teams, when it comes to making that decision, which is a, you know, whoever's the third pick in the draft or fourth pick in the draft, that's a five year, you know, $90 million contract. You can't mess that up. You want to take the right guy, and I think that's that's the way that some teams will assess risk a little bit. Saying, you know what, more guys know if you get picked, maybe up a first thing we to Gardner. So it doesn't happen as a decision making process, and teams are very sophisticated. But you know, you'd be naive to think that guys from bigger programs who have that kind of pedigree are not. I think you have safer prospects for teams for sure. Eric, before you get out of here, man, just out of curiosity, since you're in Vegas, I know you're going to be a busy man. But is there anything in particular you're going to make sure you do while you're in Vegas? I'm going to hopefully be on one of those Bellagio followers and watching the picks there. I think this is going to be such a cool, unique draft. And I have a hunch that once we leave Kansas City and Detroit, maybe Green Bay in three years, then they come back to Vegas and make Vegas the home base of draft. I'd like to be here for the first one. So I'm going to join myself here. I'm going to keep my phone ready, talk to the teams all night long, and do my best to finish this first round and fly. Yeah, hey, listen, I, I thank you. They've Vegas moved the NCAA Final Four there all the time. Like, let's just move all major sp- here. Yeah, yeah, like just move yeah. all sporting events over to Vegas because <laughs> I think it's just going to – because I'm, I'm jealous of you. I can't imagine how cool it's going to be over there yeah. too and everything. So, Shrine Bowl, Bowl Bowl, Super Bowl in two years, the draft. Let's say the combine here, but everything here. So yeah, I'm down. yeah. I mean, I'm sure that you could find a way to make that trip out there, man. But uh, we we <laughs> appreciate, sure. yeah, we appreciate it, Eric. Man, great stuff. Enjoy Vegas and enjoy the draft, man. We'll catch up with you soon. Yes, sir, guys. Appreciate it.